Hey guys, this is Joe. A great day this round to be. I'm suicidal. Me mage tries to kill me. Me gun gets nicked, and we're still in fucking Bruges. Hey everybody, it's Eric. And Uzi, I'm not from South Central fucking Los Angeles. How to hide out in Bruges. Where's that? It's in Belgium. Blend in with the tourists. Been to the top of the tower? Well, you lot ain't going up there. What exactly are you trying to say? They're a bunch of elephants. Conceal your identity. Mr. Blakely? Yes. No, Mr. Cranham. No. Yes, Mr. Blakely? Yes. And stick to your getaway plan. I'm gonna go back to my room, see if I can escape. Okay, on the count of one, two, three, go. Who says it? Oh, you say it. One, two, three, go! In Bruges. What is your name? Derek Pearl. Lurl. Rated R. You're listening to Word the Late Fee, the podcast where two former video rental clerks Watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think that the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. It's been a long time, Joe. How's it going? It's been a little while. We haven't. This is our first recording since 2021 with this wonderful life. So it's good to be yeah, back. It has been, been a while. We've both been pretty busy. You get your basement finished. Looking, yep. I can see in the background there it looks really good. <clears throat> yep. You moved into a new apartment. Yep. Moved in with Pow to a new apartment. Pow, so. Shout out, Pow. Pow shop, Pow just made us uh, burritos tonight. It was delicious. So that's that's <laughs> that's always good. Bur- burritos are the best. So did you? I don't know. Have we ever gotten Mexican food? I don't know if you like Mexican food. Oh, I love Mexican food. We oh, we dude, went we there. We went to that uh, place uh, in Stoneham. Or... Yeah, I think that was it. It was really really like a little. I just went. Wall, to, was really I just good. went there the other day. I drove down there. Bree had something with her family, and I didn't go. She's like, "What are you gonna do?" I was like, "Probably drive down to Stoneham, get 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 a burrito and." So I literally just, I did nothing else. I drove down, got food, sat in my car and ate it because I didn't want to sit in there <laughs> and then drove, <laughs> drove back. I mean, that place is really good. So yeah, Bree and I, at the beginning of lockdown, I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, but my friend uh, kind of informed me about a, a Mexican place in Providence, Rhode Island. And Bree and I one day drove down <clears throat> to Providence, Rhode Island got food same thing sat in the car ate ate the food in the car and then drove back which by the way providence rhode island i don't know if it's providence i don't think it is i think it's oh it's Pawtucket, so nearby um we'll get into watching what we're well we can just say you guys heard the trailer and everything we're talking about the movie in bruges today and in bruges is in belgium so i have two beers one is uh one's kind of like a little bit more classy um, a little bit more, it makes me seem cultured because Belgium's famous for having world-class ales. And uh, one of the styles of ales that they're famous for is a Trappist ale. So I have this, I'll put a picture up later, but I have this one, it's called, it's from Orval or Orville Trappist ale. It's, I think it's like the brewery's very old, like hundreds of years old, I think. So I have that one. And then the other one <clears throat> comes from an exotic faraway land called Rhode Island. And it pays homage to a show that was a big part of my childhood called Saved by the Bell. The beer is called Saved by the Belgian from Smug Brewing in Rhode Island. Both are good. I think, and I'm, it, I may just be a little bit biased because of what I just said, but I think I prefer the Saved by the Belgian. It's, it's, it's good. So I have that one here. So anyway, but we'll, we'll, get, we'll get back into what we're watching and everything later. So since it's been so long, how, how's it been? How's, how was your Christmas? How's everything? Watching anything good? I've watched a lot. Yeah, but everything was good. Holiday was good. You too. Christmas was good. I got a nice little, um, had a week off of Christmas because I switched PTO. So that was really nice. But since we talk about movies, I saw a lot of movies since we've last spoken here. So you go through your list first. I'll go through them. I have the same thing. So go ahead. Awesome. Okay. So my brother and I have been spending a lot of time in the theater because we have this, we have the A list pass. And 
as of late, we've been looking at times and it's been dead a lot. So it's been, we've been really comfortable having a whole row to ourselves basically and just kind of relaxing. Um, so we saw The Matrix Resurrections, Red Rocket, Nightmare Alley, and most recently, The Tragedy of Macbeth. All excellent movies. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Red Rocket, but boy, what I a haven't. wild film. Okay. <laughs> it's a wild film, but it's what between... are you... Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, we're going to say. No, 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 go ahead. I'll ask you after. Go ahead. Let's say between Red Rocket and um, Tragedy Macbeth, some A24 has put out some real good films lately. And Nightmare Alley, despite being a pretty much shot the shot remake of a older version of that, it was awesome as well. So lots of good movies out right now. And you said you, you were a fan of the, the Matrix film? It's, it's, it, I mean, I can see why people are very split on this. I enjoyed it because <laughs> the sequel and the third film were kind of were kind of messy. So I like how this is the possibility of bringing the characters back in a pretty believable way set in that universe. And I like the whole, the first like 40 minutes of the movie is very meta. So I really appreciate that part of it because this whole world is kind of crazy anyways. Yes. But I can definitely see where people are split this film, but I personally did like it. <clears throat> okay, good to know. I'll put one one check mark in the good column from you. Um, I oh, haven't... What, so what have you seen? <clears throat> so one movie that I rewatched for the first time in a long time was Blood Diamond. And good movie, but I have to say, and I don't know, I don't even know if this is a hot take. I don't think that's that great of a movie. It's It's solid. Um, but I, I was, I was kind of like underwhelmed rewatching it. Uh, I remembered it being better than it, than it was. Maybe I just wasn't in a good mood that day or whatever, but, and then another Leo movie <clears throat> that I just coincidentally watched, Brie and I watched it. That was pretty mediocre. Not as good as Blood Diamond was Body of Lies with Russell Crowe. Did you see that? Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember Body of Lies. Yeah. We, at the end of the movie, Brie and I were just both kind of like, wait, what? Like it just ended. It was, it was, it was weird. It was, so we weren't, a, that one not so much a fan. Also, we watched a true crime series, a three-part series on, it was called Murders at Starved Rock. That was pretty good. Not the best one that I've seen, especially where there's so many out now, but it was only three episodes. So like, if you're into that sort of thing, it's not a huge investment. So pretty good. Then we watched uh, The Little Things with uh, uh, yeah. with uh, Denzel, Jared Leto, and Rami Malek. Did you see that one? I, I didn't, but I love the cast and that, so I really want to. I, I heard they live up to the... Uh... <laughs> To the cast hype, though, I would probably agree with that. Yeah, I didn't live. Yeah, just because I mean, it's pretty tough to live up to that. Yeah, that cast. But so decent movie. This is just my opinion. Denzel was good in it, very good in it. Uh, Rami Malek was okay in it. Jared Leto was unreal. He was so yeah. good in it. He so, which I mean, that shouldn't. That's not that much of a surprise because he's a good actor, but. I think Jared Leto, Bree said the same thing. I think Jared Leto stole the show, which when you're competing with Denzel, no. and, you know, that's that's pretty impressive. Speaking of uh, Denzel, it seems one of your favorite actors. Have you seen the trailer for, obviously, you know what the plot is, but the tragedy of Macbeth? I have not. Okay, I've so Den- Denzel's deleted it. Denzel Washington's deleted the movie. Well, I guess I have to see it. So they recreated, well, uh, one of the Columbus, I think it was Joel Cohen. He did it on his own, and um, he recreated Macbeth with, you know, and almost like it's a really cool take on it. The cinematography is gorgeous, but if you can get past the Shakespearean language, it's really, really good. Yeah, I'll definitely check that. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't mind that sort of thing. I'll definitely check that out, especially with who else is in it. I, I'm completely. Oh, who I have else no clue. is in it? Hold on. 
Anyway, yeah, well, well yeah, you're it's, thinking it's, of it's, well, either way, it is coming. It's, it was in theaters, but I think uh, I think it might be tomorrow, actually. We're for on Wednesday. I think it might be this week, the Thursday or Friday, where it's going to be an Apple TV streaming. So, oh, okay. So it's got Francis McDormand in it. Yes, yeah, uh, that's what I was thinking. Corey yeah. Hawk. Well, Brendan Gleason. Where how'd you forget yeah. that? We're talking about Brendan Gleason. I know, today. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely check that out. Um, and then the last thing, <clears throat> this is a TV TV show, not a movie. I am now in the third season of Snowfall, and I am all in, dude. I love it. I, I think I said this before. I it's 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 kind of similar a little bit to the wire. It's not the wire. I have to be clear on that. It's not as good as the wire to me. But since it's less complicated, it's easier to get into. Um, and I think it's similar to The Wire in that it'll end in another season or two, however long it goes. And then people will, after the fact, realize how good it was. How was I not watching this? It's so good, man. The, 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 this is the show that's, is it about prescription drugs or drugs? Or is this the show I'm thinking of? Or am I thinking of something completely different? No, it's about, it's about kind of like the, like, cocaine and, and crack epidemic oh, that right, starts okay. in the 80s in LA so it starts in like early like 83 I think in LA and it's it's so good man the, the, the lead actor his name's I don't know if I pronounced this correctly but uh Damson Idris or Damson Idris um I don't know his I'm not, I should I should have looked this up before talking about it I don't know his full like you know resume and everything but talk about coming out of nowhere and just being amazing and just watching the evolution of his character in the show and everything like that is it's great so if you guys have hulu it's on there i would highly recommend it the new season so the fifth season starts february 24th so you've got time to catch up <clears throat> so anyway you guys heard the trailer you heard our quotes we already mentioned it we're going to be talking about in bruges today this is this is my pick and i think i kind of explained in the last episode which came out a while ago but um, I wanted to do this one in the past, but unlike Joe, I was playing by the rules that we were doing 80s and 90s. Okay, and I didn't go too far off. <laughs> <laughs> so once we focused on the 2000s, I knew this was going to be one of my first picks. And we were initially going to record this right after Christmas. Uh, so it made even more sense. And then Joe big time me for a couple of weeks. So, you know, we'll get, have this ready for Christmas of 2022. See, it fits. So it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so this one came out in 08. So we're past the years where we work in a movie scene. And because of that, I can't say for sure how I heard about this movie. I definitely didn't see it in theaters, but I think I saw it like pretty soon after it came out on DVD because I've been a fan of this movie for a long time. If I had to guess, I'd say my brother probably recommended it to me. This I, I'm pretty sure he likes this movie. This is right up his alley. So it's a good chance that he had the DVD somehow and let me borrow it. And I was like, holy, holy crap. But what about you? What's your memory of this one? Yeah, so like you, I seen theories, but I did see it that year. I remember a lot of word of mouth and lots of positive reviews from publications really kind of sold me on it. And I went into this kind of blind. And I wasn't really familiar with um, Martin's short film before this, or I don't really like Guy Ritchie's style, just kind of along the lines of this in a way, I guess. But I, I really, I, this caught me by surprise the year I saw it when it came out. I loved it. And this is a cool movie too, because it's like, it's not, I don't know if you can really call it a cult classic, but I think most people that have seen this movie really like it, at least in my opinion. So like when you know, like if you have this DVD and someone sees it and they're like, or you're, they have it and you see it and you're like, oh, you like In Bruges? It's, it's almost like, it's a cool like 
kind of club to be in. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it wasn't. Yeah, it, I don't know anyone. I watched this. Brie watches for the first time with me. It was the first time seeing it, and she, the first night, she fell asleep not because the movie was bad, but because she just was tired. But then we finished it the next day, and she, once you see the whole, the big picture, she was a, a big fan of it. So, yeah, it's always yeah. fun to see. Yeah, I think it's the same thing. Like, like you were saying too. It's, I, I, I watched it with the Powell. Well, I watched it obviously. I, I seen a little. I saw a little while ago when we first when you first picked this, but I watched it again with Powell the other night. And she didn't know anything about this. She hasn't seen a trailer for it. And I think it's like, it was kind of fun going into it that way, not knowing anything about the movie and then being like, okay, this is actually pretty good. Like you grow close to these characters pretty quickly. Totally, totally, yeah. Um, so do you have any stats as far as how it did financially? I do. And Bruges came out on February 8th, 2008 with a budget of $15 million, making 34.5 million in the box office. It was both written and directed by Martin McDonough who also uh, wrote and directed Seven Psychopaths and the excellent three billboards outside Epic, Missouri. His upcoming film, The Banshees of Anna Sheeran, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, started filming in August 2021 and will reunite Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, which is something to look forward to. I'm 100% in on that. Yep. And something I learned today, he's also digging the very talented Phoebe Waller-Bridge. So, oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool because lots of talents in that relationship. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm super excited for that movie. This it's been talked about for a little while now, and I realized it was already <laughs> filming as of last year. So hopefully it comes out this year. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Definitely go check that out. Um critically, this one kind of goes along with what we said that most people that have seen it like it. 7.9 on 10, 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb, 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. Roger Ebert was a huge fan, four stars. And uh here's a a, a quote from his review. The film debut by the theater writer and director Martin McDonough is an endlessly surprising, very dark human comedy with a plot that cannot be foreseen but only relished. Every once in a while you find a film like this that seems to happen as it goes along, driven by the peculiarities of the characters. So Eber is a huge fan and I totally agree with him. Um, you said it came out in February of 08. That was a, you know, pretty mediocre month <laughs> to, in the film for me. Uh, Semi-Pro came out that month, also Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins, and Fool's Gold, so not the greatest month. Outside of film, Johan Santana leaves Minnesota to sign a six-year, $137 million contract with the Mets, and he became the highest-paid pitcher in MLB history at the time, which is crazy, because I think Scherzer's last, I think he makes like 43 mil within a year with that his, his last with the Mets, too. Um, so Santana's deal looks like a, a steal in today's money, um, although he didn't really really work out in New York City. He had some decent years, but was nowhere near when he was in Minnesota. But um, Fidel Castro retired as the president of Cuba, and the Academy Awards were won by No Country for Old Men, Daniel, Daniel Day-Lewis, and There Will Be Blood, and uh, Marion Cotillard. I always have a hard time with their last name, but for La Vie and Rose. So not, not, a, not a huge month, but that's okay. What do you have for a back of the DVD summary for this one? So I have, after a particularly difficult job, Pitman Ray and Ken head to Belgium to hide out until things cool down. Ray hates the medieval city they land in, but Ken finds a beauty and peacefulness enchanting. Their experiences become increasingly surreal and possibly life-changing as they encounter tourists, locals, an American dwarf, and a potential romance for Ray. You're probably not the right person to ask this, nor am I. That's why I'm asking that. I have no idea, but is dwarf a pc term 
See, I, I wasn't sure that either. I know what he was calling them midgets is not, but the fact that they came out and said that dwarf is what they um, okay. what they wanted to hear, I wasn't sure of that. I wasn't sure. Right, yeah. Okay, yeah. Just curious. So it's it's kind of bold. Well, I guess I guess it's not bold. I, I guess if I was writing the back of the DVD summary for that, I would have just avoided that part of the plot. You know what Me I mean? Too. I'd be like, it's, it's not that big of a, it's not that big of a plot. Right, you could find something else to fill yeah. that space. I'm happy they avoided the <clears throat> child, like the killing the child, because I think like that's a really important reveal in the movies. So I'm happy they dodged yes. that. But yes. I do, like you said, wish they focused a little more on the hitman and how like a hit went wrong, because that's a bigger part of the movie than being Taurus and a dwarf. Right. So. right. So anyway, some of the the major cast members and everything going into the movie. So um, both Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson were nominated for Golden Globes. Farrell won the award. Speaking of Colin Farrell, he plays Ray. Um, he was working in, Eng- in Ireland and England, but when he took the, the lead role in Tigerland in 2000, that's kind of kind of when he like burst onto the scene in America. I think though that for most people that I know, especially girls, when he played Jesse James in American Outlaws the year after is when he really burst onto the scene. Uh, then he had Phone Booth in 02, SWAT in 03, The Recruit in 03. He played Bullseye in uh, Daredevil, also in 03, so he had quite the year. Alexander in 04, which is a pretty big flop. Miami Vice in 06, which I Miami Vice is better than people give it credit for. It's a little long, but it's not a it's not a bad movie. If you know, as long as you know what you're getting into, it's not you know. Um, <clears throat> then he was in Horrible Bosses and some other ones. Have you seen the intermission, Joe? No, I haven't. Oh, yeah. So another dark comedy came out in 03, has uh, Farrell, Killian Murphy, Colomini. I like it. I, I, and I, I think he's, Colin Farrell's a talented actor. Obviously, like I said earlier, the girls love him, but I think that helps in the beginning, but he's kind of proven himself. He's a, he's a very good actor, in my opinion. Yeah, I really do like, I don't know how, I don't know about that movie, but I really like when, he takes a, when they take advantage of his, Irish, his actual like how he speaks because he was like it's just he just sounds so good and like I think that helps like call me in this movie more than anything else is just how he just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> well, it's the it's the accent, but it's he has the personality to go along with it. Just the, like right. the, like the oh f it, like you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Just like yeah, no, he, I agree. Um, Brendan Gleeson, he plays his partner uh, Ken. Brendan Gleeson is known for the Harry Potter films, Braveheart, Michael Collins, uh, Gangs of New York, Kingdom of Heaven, Troy, The Guard. Calvary, which he played Churchill, and then, uh, or no, he played Churchill in Into the Storm on HBO, and then he played Trump in the Comey role. So who can say that they played uh, Winston Churchill and Donald Trump? Um, another one, Rafe Frentz, Rafe Fiends, who who uh, plays their boss Harry, Academy Award nomination, Rafe Fine, sorry, Academy Award nomination for his work in uh, Schindler's List in The English Patient, also known for Red Dragon, Made in Manhattan. Constant Gardner in the Harry Potter series. Um, I was so focused on pronouncing Rafe correctly that I said fiends. So Rafe, Rafe finds. I mean, it does. The spelling does look like that. So right. So um, move, then two more to talk about. Uh, Clements Pose Posey Posey. Sorry if I butchered that. She plays Chloe, also in the Harry Potter series. Um, also known for her work in War and Peace, The Tunnel, 127 Hours with James Franco, and more. And then sneaky underappreciated cast member in my opinion i'm definitely going to pronounce this wrong thecla rutin as marie the owner of the inn the the bed and, bre- bed and breakfast she's a dutch actress best known for for this one um but she's also successful in a bunch of dutch film and tv 
uh, Twin Sisters, Hotel Lux, The American with George Clooney. Um, and she was also in a movie called Lettering. Um, th this is how it is in there in Dutch. I think it's Dutch. Lettering Burumd, which means everybody's famous and that was nominated for best foreign film, foreign language film. And then her TV work includes Hidden on the BBC, Restless, which is also in the BBC, and Sleeper Cell here in the US. But I loved her. She was she was such a for the amount of time that she was on screen, she probably brought me the most joy per, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you have anything down for random facts behind the scenes stuff? I actually found a, a few pretty good ones. Uh so first off, in the original script, Ray and Ken are British, but when Colin Farrell and Brian Gleason came on board, the characters were changed to Irish to suit their natural sensibilities, like just like Bell. It's perfect. Yep. In order to create the feeling of the holiday season, Christmas decorations were kept in some streets of Bruges until the end of March. The town con uh, council made an official communication to the people of Bruges explaining the reason why, which I thought was kind of funny because this reminds me of our local downtown when they were filming the movie Joy, Daryl's Joy. They had yep. decorations up in the middle of the summer when they were yep. filming, so it was kind of cool seeing that. Um, Harry's strict moral code is a further insight in a deleted scene where a young version of uh, played by Matt Smith in it, Harry discovers his partner holding a dead woman in a club, so he marches in a, into a police station and beheads the man who did it, a dirty detective. Ultimately, filmmakers uh, decided to cut the scenes as the CGI didn't look really good. Kind of cool seeing Matt Smith, though, who was now a pretty big actor, kind of playing a smaller role in the least scene in this movie. I'm glad that they cut that for a technical re I'm glad and I'm mad. I'm like... Because when you first started saying that, I was like, why did they cut that? I want to hear that. So at least they cut it because it just didn't look good. Right. Not for, you know what I mean? It would be cool getting a look back on his character. Totally, yeah. And then finally, to end it with a real bang here, my last fact, the word fuck is said 126 times in this 107 minute film, an average of 1.18 fucks per minute. <laughs> you had all the, we had the same, we had the same random facts. So that's, that's perfect. And the, British, English, I mean, British, Irish, you know, that whole part of the world, they swear better than anywhere. It's, it's, it doesn't sound trashy. When Americans swear, myself included, it just sounds, we just sound dumb. British people and Irish people, obviously, they just do it better. I don't, I don't know what it is. It just sounds like a, it sounds like it's just a, a, a real word and not a swear. So thumbs up to them. Um, this is a tough one. We talked about it a little bit before we started recording. Stuff that wouldn't fly <clears throat> in today's PC environment. So if you've seen the film, you know that there's comments about people who are mentally challenged, comments about people who are dwarfs, if that's the PC term, whatever we, you know. Uh, also, there's some kind of homophobic stuff. And Joe and I both kind of talked about it before our opinion and if we're wrong feel free to send us a message and tell us we're wrong is that these guys are supposed to be hitmen and then ray played by colin farrell is supposed to be a young inexperienced rough around the edges hitman so there's definitely some stuff that you know you wouldn't want your your kids saying but i think for the characters it kind of goes with what it's how they would act it would it would be weird if if they were both like, you know, not swearing and not saying right. offensive stuff a little bit. Right. I, I had the same thing that, like we just talked about. I had the same thing written down. I think Ray is 
supposedly pictured as an idiot. Like he's an idiot. He brings up the Vietnamese, like certain couple scenes where she doesn't really fit into like what he's trying to make for an argument. And I feel like that's just kind of like his character. Like you said, he's over on the edges. He's a hitman. But I think underneath all of that, who he, like I said, he's, he's an idiot, but he's also, I feel like he's not the asshole who is like, he's not, he's being portrayed as he just doesn't really know what's correct and what's not correct. And he's, he's young and he's inexperienced. Like Brendan right. Gleeson, you kind of, as you go through the movie, you start to learn that Brendan Gleeson sees a lot of himself. Like he, he sees that he was like that when he was younger. And Brendan Gleeson's older, more experienced, more polished. So along with being a hitman and being maybe not the brightest bulb, Ray's a young guy in the film. So he's kind of supposed to be a young 20-something or a 30-something-year-old person who's got to say and do things that he regrets. So would you, should you watch this with your, you know, your 10-year-old sitting next to you? No, but... Please do, yeah. actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, not, not my problem. Um, would you have a favorite scene? I had a few in the running. Yeah, this was a tough one. Uh, so first off, the chemistry between the two characters is incredible. So obviously we have to make note of that. They're incredible. And I'm so excited for them to return on screen together, hopefully this year. But... One of my favorite things about this movie was how it could make you laugh one minute and then immediately feel like, you, you know, you care for these characters the next. Um, and they're like, what we talked about, they should be bad people, but you learn to kind of know who they really are. So something that comes to mind is going to sort of go against what I say um, for things I would change. But it's one of the few times it really worked, I thought. During Ray's attempted suicide, I love how we see this character really hurting and he tries to end his life, only to find out his friend was going to do the same thing. Instead, this turns into a further bonding moment between the two of them. And with the exchange, we get some really fine dialogue from Ray during his darkest time. And I thought this, that's like, this just goes to show how good this writing was when this is a serious moment. This is this character's lowest point. We have two people who were, you know, friends the entire time. One's going to kill the other. And then we somehow get humor out of this, which was my opening quote. And like, it's, it's, it's incredible to write in this movie it's incredible and it's so british right. this movie is so british and i mean that in the best way like you said it can't just be funny it has to be it has to demolish you and make you you know what i mean it has to be tragic and funny at the same time i had and i'll let you if you have another scene no that was, that was my favorite scene so i had two scenes and that was that was one of mine so the what i had written down about it's a scene where ken is about to kill uh kill ray and he stopped because ray is about to kill himself it was just another example of how ken is is trying to do his job but his love for ray along with the fact that he's starting to get some sort of moral compass in his older age is holding him back and then when they start to talk on the bench and ray just breaks down and cries and about how he killed a little boy and then ken tells him to save the next one it sounds so weird if you you know if you just heard if i just say oh the this guy's about to kill another guy. And then the only thing that stops him is that the other guy was going to kill himself. And it's a beautiful moment. Oh, and they're both hitmen, and one of them killed a little kid. It's a beautiful moment. You would probably laugh, but if you watch it, it's, it really is because Ray's just, Ray regrets what he did. He, he was, he was trying to kill people that he thought deserved it or needed to be killed. He didn't mean to kill that little boy and it's ruining him and he's going to kill himself for it. Um, and then Ken coming in and telling him, give him kind of like the, the pep talk is just great. And then the other scene that I loved also kind of a highlight for Ken is when, when he finds out that he's supposed to kill Ray after Ray finds calls him and he has to fake that uh, Ray left because he's not supposed to have not been in the hotel. So he has to 
do this whole thing. And the call goes from talking about uh, fairy tales and how beautiful Bruges is to you have to kill your friend. And it's, it's kind of just a look into their world, that world where it's just business to these people. And in a weird way, it almost makes you like Ray Fiennes too. Because Ray Fiennes could have just had Ray shot in an alley in London or wherever. And the fact that he was like, you know, I like the kid. I want him to go out with a nice trip. It's this weird like code thing, you know, where it's yeah. they're they're doing horrible things, but they're in their world in their mind. It's okay because they have a code to it. Yeah, like the the dollar between the alcoves. Oh, for Christ's sake! You talk about the alcoves with you too. <laughs> it's like that real quick interaction. Yeah, and then and then uh, and I don't I don't remember if I have a note about this later, but when uh, when Harry finally does catch up with Ray and they they're having the shootout, uh, they're are they're gonna have a shootout and they're in the hotel and he's like, all right, count to three. And then we, I'll run outside. You, you jump out the window, and then you can try to kill me. And they're like, okay. And then it's awkward silence. And he's like, am I counting or are you counting? <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Um, this is a tough one. If you could change one thing about in Bruges, what would you change? This was a tough one. Um, I put for the first thing. It's, it's again, they're both small, but I wish we had more scenes. Obviously, with both uh, Ray and Ken before the assassination assassination attempt. Dude, we're we're gonna have the exact, yeah. the exact same thing. <laughs> The country was so fun. The banter between the two of them makes you so interested. And then once the banter continues while they're getting along better as the movie goes along, it's just even more satisfying. So I wish we loved more of that before the assassination attempt. And sometimes, not too often, just a couple of times I noticed, I feel like um, things happen just for the sake of trying to get a laugh out of the audience. It doesn't always feel appropriate in the situation going on in that specific time. Small things, not, this wasn't always the case. Like I do like the discussion with like the alcoves and the suicide attempt that we talked about, but I feel like some things with, with the um, the kind of the comedy plans, I felt like they didn't always work out. Can you, can you do you remember an example or no? Um, I guess one of them would be in the tower sequence at the end, the bell tower, when it's just Ken and oh my goodness, Harry, uh, Harry, yeah, my mind, yep. like played by Ray like, Fiennes, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like that whole thing where we we see like this is a serious one between the two of them, and. I wish like their whole interaction adventure, like when he shoots him in the leg and like that was supposed to be funny in a way, I feel like, because mm-hmm. he didn't kill him. I feel, just like some moments like that where they should have been maybe tweaked a little, to a little more serious because Harry should be a little more intimidating in that scene, I feel like, <laughs> versus being funny because he's, you know, this is a serious one between him and his character. And this is someone he knew for a long time, being Ken. So I feel like that interaction might have been, should have been a little more serious and not adding comedy elements to it. And even like the thing that you just mentioned, the whole count of three and I'll count and like who's counting, that didn't bother me as much. But again, I feel like it would have been better if that movie was a little more serious when he is jumping out the window or something. And then, you know, but I know the movie's trying to be, but I feel like certain scenes just didn't really, you know, those comedy elements didn't really work for me. It took me out of it just yeah. a little bit. See, the way I took the Harry, the Ray Fines in the top of the tower thing is he is so he's been in that world so long and like like ken says to him he calls him a i'm not going to say the word he calls him the c word because i know some people find that word very offensive um and he's like you are a uh, you've always been a blank um i think that ray finds was just he wanted he he didn't want to just shoot because it's that code thing he didn't want to just shoot ken and kill him he wanted the fight so it's kind of like i took that as 
it's like if you wanted to fight someone and you go up and you're like we're fighting and they just put their hands down it he didn't know how to process that he only yeah. knew how to he wanted to go up to the guy push him and have the guy push back so they could start fighting so when he went up to right to ken and uh kind of pushed him you know not literally but and and ken was like i love you man you've done a lot for me if you need to kill me you can kill me it just no, dis- no, I don't want to. <laughs> it disarmed him and yeah. and and I think he, I took him shooting him as like, he couldn't kill him. And he, I think in a weird way, he was hoping that if he shot him, it, it would cause like a, I don't know, a skirmish or something. No, I don't I know. But I, yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying though. Um, if I could change one thing, I, you, you kind of already said it. Give me more Ken and Ray, whether it's doing touristy things with like Ken taking pictures and Ray being a grump sitting at the bar, whatever the chemistry between the two and, and how they're total opposites, but also kind of similar, cracked me up. They're just different versions of the same person or different stages in life. Um, but I don't want to really remove any other part of the story. I don't need to. I would just like to make the movie 15 minutes longer. It's it's crazy to me how some movies should be in, that should be an hour and a half get stretched out to two hours, 15 minutes. And then this one somehow gets cut in an hour and 45 minutes. I just don't get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you said, it's just the power. Like you said, the whole Torsi scenes, her favorite scenes were the Torsi scenes where she was learning about like the churches. Like she loved that stuff she was saying. So like that was her favorite part of it. So it's funny because like it worked. The Torsi scenes did work for a viewer who wasn't familiar with Belgium or Bruges, for example. So funny, funny story about, so the, the first night that Brie and I were watching this, she was tired and she was also just like, I think she had a bad day or something at work or whatever. So she wasn't in the, in the most pleasant mood. So we're watching it and I'm like, I'm like, isn't Bruges like so beautiful? Isn't it like, you know, doesn't it just make you want to go to Bruges? And Brie was like, I don't know. It's okay. <laughs> and that's when I knew I was like, Oh, Brie's not in a good mood. And then, so we, we, <laughs> we ended up stopping at like a half hour in or whatever it was. And then when we watched it the second night, she was just, she liked it and she was just in a better mood and i said to her i was like you know how i knew you weren't into it last night and you weren't like in, having the best day is like bruges is such a beautiful city and you were like yeah it's fine <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah this movie I, I cut it out of ebert ebert has a line in his uh review that i read where he says something about how one thing from this movie is that you will want to go see bruges you want to you want to move to Bruges, and I, I totally agree. It looks like such a beautiful city. <clears throat> so, anyway, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that this is a the part of the podcast where we rate a movie on a scale of one to five. So, a score of one is you get a few minutes in, you can't deal with the swearing, you can't deal with the one point one eight f f words per minute or whatever it was per second, uh, or per minute or whatever and you turn it off all the way up to a score of five, which is you're going to watch it a few times, keep it a few extra days, show it to friends, maybe even just buy it from the video rental store. You don't care about the late fees. So one of score of one is low, score of five is high. I picked this one, so Joe's going to give his score first. Joe, what did you think about In Bruges? Well, Chris, before we, I give my score here, the anticipation of all, all of the, uh, the people, guess what I might want to give it, but what do you think about the soundtrack? Did you like the soundtrack? Like, oh my I bad! Was, I, I totally skipped over that. Well, no, it's, it's not. It's like it's obviously, you know, it's not as license heavy as other movies we've done in the past. What did you think of it? Did you like it? I think, and whenever it's a soundtrack like this, where it's not like you said, it's not like licensed tracks or whatever. I kind of it. So a lot of times those, I just miss those. But I think that the 
music fit the mood very well in this movie. I don't know that I think that it really elevated it a ton. I don't know that it needed to, but I I, I liked it. I, I I thought it was good. I thought that it because it's a very moody movie. Like sometimes it's down, sometimes it's up. So um, and I think it worked. But what about you? You're you're more in tune with that sort of thing. Yeah, no, I agree. So I thought, but well, well, my point was, I I really enjoyed it. It was composed by Carter Burwell, who, like many other composers we discussed in the past, had been involved with lots of work. You have definitely seen are uh, seen in movies uh, such as numerous films on the Coen Brothers, Being John Malkovich, Three Kings, A Nice Tale, the classic and past episode of Goofy Movie, and most recently. A potential uh, uh, Academy Award candidate, The Tragedy of Macbeth. But like you said, the simple, like classical music, I felt like it captured this thing really well. Like it's such a chaotic, chaotic feel, and like what these guys are actually going through. But you have like this music that just plays out, and it sort of brings this peace to you as a viewer. Like as as you know what they're going through, or at least later on, you know what they're what one of them's going through more than the other. But the peaceful classical music, once once it comes on, it kind of you know what to expect. It's going to be like a more serious approach to what we're seeing before. So like, it does a really good job helping balance the comedy and serious tone of the movie, I felt like. Yeah, I agree. I liked it all. Like I said, it's not something I usually, usually soundtracks like this without licensed tracks just don't speak to me as much as the ones with licensed tracks. But you couldn't really put, it would have been weird if there was like Ramon songs in this or like, you know what I mean? Whatever, whatever the... Right. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, so one to five, Joe score of one is low score of five is high. What are you, what are you thinking? So I give it a four in Bruges. It's a, it's a surprise dark comedy and I loved it. The cast is perfect. And specifically the chemistry between Colin and Brennan is perfect. Their banter is a highlight for me. And some of my favorite scenes come from that. Like I said, I wish we had a little more of that before the assassination attempt because it's so good. And like you mentioned, Eric, I would have loved to see more Taurusy scenes and they're just walking around and kind of got the use more so again just to see him like try and sell Ray on how great Bruges is. But like, you know, that was all fun. And then Ray's like bitching and moaning. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. The entire time he sits on a bench outside, you got to do that instead of actually like seeing something. But I really liked it. And I love how the plot is slowly revealed to the audience. I think that I thought that was brilliant. They do a great job making you care for these very human hitmen. So this one does a lot of things right between the characters, the writing. And like I said, I'm super excited to see them reunite with the same director, hopefully this year. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, this is my favorite Colin Farrell movie. Um, and like I said at the beginning, I think he's a, he's a really good actor and I, I loved it. I, his, his ability to play a total mess like a drunk that is, he's a drunk that's a hitman who's done some some things that he regrets, some bad things, and you like him. It's weird. And I feel like I know people like Ray, not the hitman part, obviously, but just imperfect people, a little rougher on the edges, but who deep down inside, you're like, oh, he's a good person or she's a good person. You know what I mean? Um, and rewatching this with Bree or my, with my wife, Bree, at least part of it, I was a little nervous because the first 45 minutes or so, the laughs are good, but they're kind of few and far between. It's not like a constant laugh thing. But then once you start to see Ken's Ken struggle with what he's supposed to do and, and Ray's struggle with what he did, and then Ken and Ray are different in some ways, but similar in others, it all starts to come together. 
I love the, like I said earlier, I love the code between Ray, Ken, and Harry, the conversation between Harry and Ray at the end, um, how Harry couldn't really bring himself to kill Ken when, when Ken wasn't agreeing to fight. Like, I, I actually like that. Um, I gave this one a five out of five. I love this movie as much as I remembered. And also, like I said earlier, I want to move to Bruges. So if anyone has any houses that they want to give me and some citizenship, I would appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, they, they really do a good job. I wonder how Bruges is like Taurus, like how it was with Taurus after this movie, like became like, as you said, it's kind of becoming a cult hit each and every year. I feel like more people are discovering it. So I wonder if Bruges is like being visited a little more because of this movie. Really I gotta talk to my <laughs> I gotta talk to my friend Amanda because she she started out she she went to um she lived in Italy during college and then she went all over Europe she did like a few semesters there and then she ended up for a brief time working for the this the study abroad company that she used as a student so oh, wow. she's been pretty much everywhere in Europe so I gotta talk to her and see if she's been to Bruges and, and I gotta have to ask her like is it as perfect looking especially around <laughs> Christmas time as as it seems but yeah i definitely want to update on that conversation so <laughs> yeah so uh the beer was delicious like i said i think i gave a slight edge to the less historic um saved by the belgian from smug brewing but the orval trapezdale was good too um follow us on instagram worth a late fee joe this is <clears throat> me telling you this i have to mention this at the beginning of the episode next week uh just send us a message because i know sometimes people like you know, they listen to the episode, they, once we give our score, once they get to a certain point, they may lose it. We got to bring it up at the beginning of the episode. If you, if there's a movie that you want us to cover, send us a message worth a late fee on Instagram. Um, we'll be back next week. And this was my pick. So next week's Joe's pick. We're focusing on movies in the 2000s now, specifically the first 10 years of the 2000s. But Joe, what are, what are we watching? Yeah, we're watching uh, Adventureland, which came out in 2009. It's one of those movies that I haven't seen in a little while. I remember really liking. I remember Jesse Eisenberg being like, this is like his underrated gem. So I'm really excited to go do, back to this movie. Do you remember me just telling her? I think I brought this up on an episode like in the past few months. How, oh, you know what movie I watched recently? Adventureland. I just oh, rewatched oh, I just okay. rewatched this like a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah. I, like look at Ryan Reynolds now who's in it. Like he's obviously way better than he was than he is now than he was back then. So it's kind of, yep. it'll be kind of cool revisiting this movie with all these actors. Yeah. I'm excited, no, I'm for, I'm excited for the rewatch. All right. Well, thank you guys very much for listening. Um, and we'll be back next week to talk about Adventureland. Awesome. As always, thanks for listening. <laughs>